welcome to the Web Policy Talk podcast recorded live at the Impact and Policy Research Institute Impri New Delhi Yes me you may you may begin yes yeah thank you yeah, thank you right. yes thank you yes thank you uh, a very good evening to everyone uh, in india and a very good morning to friends and colleagues in the united states uh, i am simi mehta ceo and editorial director of impact and policy research institute and i heartily welcome all of you to the fourth web policy talk organized by impact and policy research institute we are very happy and delighted that university of idaho is joining us in association to join uh, to organize this uh, webinar uh, this international um, webinar is actually curated in the wake of the unfortunate murder of mr george floyd on grounds that he was uh, he was an african american while racism and racist attacks are not new in the united states uh, and also in the world around the world but the present incident seems to have shaken the entire world there has been uh, peaceful and nonviolent protests across uh, the united states almost reaching the thresholds of uh, the white Ho white house uh, and across the uh, university campuses uh, in india racism has been uh, ingrained in the varnashram of uh, hinduism which considered the scheduled castes uh, as outcasts Uh, it was only after the long drawn movement by baba saheb bhimrao ambedkar and mahatma gandhi and several others that um, uh, finally and uh, finally uh, untouchability was made a criminal offense uh, according to the constitution of india uh, martin luther king had said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere so on these lines the questions that arises is what will be the implications of black lives matter, matter movement um, will the stirring up of the uh, souls yield to some substantial changes throughout the processes of those uh, skeptic of this uh, uh, movement when the vicious remarks of world leaders like uh, donald trump himself he's when he says that uh, when the looting begins the shooting begins so when these are made consciously Uh, what does it entail especially when it um, especially when it is an election year in the united states and um, uh, in fact uh, the united states has the largest number of coronavirus cases uh, in the world so um, uh, given these um, few questions uh, at the outset to discuss uh, these very topical issues of enormous relevance we have with us uh, mr martin macwan from india Mr Makwan is a well known human rights activist he is the recipient of the prestigious Robert F Kennedy award uh, human rights award in 2000 and is the founder of the Nav Sarjan Trust he has continuously argued that uh, the caste system violates the universal declaration of human rights and has struggled for an international attention to the continued discrimination of uh, discrimination against dalits Uh, we are also joined with us uh, joined by uh, dr sydney uh, friedman junior uh, from the us in uh, he is an associate professor of uh, adult uh, adult organizational learning and leadership and um, 
he is also a former uh, national home, home scholar his research basically investigates uh, the future of minority institutions faculty career cycle and higher education as a field of study he has written extensively about black issues in the united states we are also joined by dr nitin tagre who is a faculty of economics at savitri bai phule pune university uh, dr tagre is the discussant for the panel today and uh, i heartily welcome all the panelists and all the attendees and the participants uh, for this very important conversation uh, yes so uh, dr uh, dr sydney friedman if you would like to begin yes i want to say thank you yes. thank you dr. very much for joining us yes thank you dr meta for so much for you and your team inviting me to be a part of this most important panel it's been tough for many african americans or blacks uh, over the last few weeks just given uh, the horrendous death of mr floyd um, one of the major challenges that we face here in the united states is that we're not uh, treated as equal. Uh, knowing some of our history here in the United States, we were brought over to the United States as slaves, as chattel. And so for uh, close to 350 years, uh, we did not have, we were not considered full citizens here in the country. And even within the last 50 years, uh, even with that, there have been barriers put in place in relationship to housing, uh, fairness around whether we would uh, get fair jobs, also uh, around health disparities, all these different, different areas. Even though we don't have an explicit caste system, um, there is a caste system in place. And uh, because we were brought here to be workers, free labor, uh, it's almost as if the country, the country feels that if we're not providing free labor, then why are we here? We're, we were not here to, to be equal citizens. And so you'll see all these disparities that are constantly uh, showing themselves. But what's been interesting in this most recent situation is that off of the coronavirus where everyone was home, everyone was uh, watching the news all the time. Generally, people are at work, people are doing different things, and they are not able necessarily to see kind of the viciousness that, that goes on, but people were stuck to the news and they were able to visibly really see the viciousness of that killing for eight minutes and 46 seconds, a police officer had his knee on that man's neck. And so to see that and then other officers just stand around, it posed, it, it, it pricked at the conscience of people. And I think that a lot of things will be changing, not only, not only as it relates to police, but in higher education and other sectors. Thank you. Sure. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Freeman, for uh, your initial remarks. 
uh, we'll uh, get back to you uh, with a few discussion points uh, uh, just after uh, Mr. Martin Markwan has made his remarks. Uh, Mr. Martin Markwan, a very good evening to you. Uh, I welcome you. Uh, good evening, sir. Um, sir, uh, I have the floor open for you now. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me on this. And sorry that because of me, you had to change timings. But I was no on problem, a workshop sir. and I Our just pleasure, finished yes. uh, and rushed into this thing. Uh, yes. But yes, uh, in India, we have been fighting this uh, religious sanction caste system for more than 3000 years. And the manifestation definitely is the first thing is the violence. And uh, on average, there are about uh, 1100 murders and about 3000 rape on the Dalit women uh, each year. And uh, of course, I mean, uh, whoever saw the live death of uh, George Floyd, I mean, it was beyond uh, controlling emotions, right? Why it is hurting? Because this is in the United States of America, which is supposed to be one of the most uh, so-called, I mean, developed uh, nation. But the same story is in India also, right? And uh, amidst uh, all the tall claims of uh, development, we see that after 74 years of Indian independence, where it was visualized that we our, our fight against the slavery has come to an end. Unfortunately, the slavery continues, right? So apart from the caste-based violence, which I spoke, the biggest thing what we fight is called the untouchability, where people believe that if you touch somebody, then you become impure. And now, Sergeant, my organization, which conducted one of the biggest study, definitely with in collaboration with some of the US scholars, not a small study, 1,569 villages and 98,000 respondents. Yes, and we studied, examined 98 forms of discrimination or forms of untouchability. And uh, you can see that, uh, let me, if I can put into nutshell, maybe three or four findings, but most Dalits who practice Hinduism and yet in 90.3% villages, they cannot enter the temples. In uh, political institutions, we have the system of what we call the positive discrimination or the reservations. This is reserved for the Dalits right from the local self-government to the parliament. But in 64% of these political institutions in the villages, while other people will be sitting on the chair, Dalits will be made to sit on the floor or there'll be separate water cups for them and many other forms of discrimination. In 54% of the government schools, in the midday meal, which is a state program to provide meal, a lunch to the students, there are separate queues for Dalit children. Yes. Now, the study is basically in the state of Gujarat from where the chief minister, um, from where the prime minister of India comes from. This is the state where Gandhi was born. Uh, this is, was the, the state which was the center of the independence uh, movement and supposed to be the model state of the whole India, right? So, I mean, I've been into this uh, field for now 40 years, started at the age of 20, been constantly fighting. You know, we have a large community-based organization and there are several other organizations we have set up. 
but the biggest problem is uh, denial so you ask people and they say no no there's no untouchability in india right i mean there's a best best thing you can do you know which does not require any uh, any vague research and uh, i remember you know when uh, i was leading the whole uh, indian delegation to the world conference against racism uh, during the uh, conference against racism held in durban in uh, 2002 and the indian government said uh, we don't have untouchability in india and then when i produce all the reports and everything then they changed the stand and they said well this is an internal matter of india right and our argument is this when the, whenever there is a human right violation violation there is nothing called internal yes Uh, dr ambedkar and dr wdb boyish had a very close correspondence as to how to fight together on the whole question of caste and race india invited dr martin luther king to visit india and learn from the non violent methods of resistance we we did fight and support the anti apartheid struggle in south africa so there is nothing internal you know i mean we if there's a globalization of the market i don't understand why why can't be any globalization of the human rights okay but this is the struggle and dr george floyd i mean floyd's uh, mr george floyd's uh, murder reminds us again that people from the whole world has to work again to come together and raise their voices whatever is happening in the streets of the us to us it's a it's a big inspiration you know how people have come fearlessly in spite of the fact that there is a military presence and the threats of the more uh, repercussions and we have taken up a program here we have drafted an open letter to donald trump and uh, denounce his policies on the whole question of promoting racism and uh, drawing a parity between race and caste in india and on the 10th we have appealed to people to light a lamp in the memory of uh, george floyd and i think there are several hundred thousand families will be lighting a lamp throughout india so i think uh, it reminds us that in spite of all the litigations and you know based of the legal laws that we have in in place this is what the violation that we are we face every day right and as i said earlier it's not only violence and untouchability there's a question of labor there's the question of land alienation uh, primary education the pathetic condition of the women people will say there is untouchability when when they want to rape women there is no untouchability yes it's a very very deeply uh, ingrained uh, systemic issues and i think uh, you know it will be a it will be a problem if every country says that people have to fight on their own in their own country no i think strategically all countries must come together and uh, well that's what i would say not to i hope it's not too long a remark sure uh, thank you sir uh, it's um, really unfortunate uh, that uh, while on the one hand uh, both our constitutions the american constitution and the indian constitution guarantees the uh, right to equality and in fact the first few lines of the american constitution says that uh, all men are created equal and uh, 
despite the civil rights legislations uh, and uh, all the um, all the legislations that has ha happened in both countries we still are faced with uh, uh, flagrant violation of human rights uh, as you have mentioned so uh, so uh, uh, this is to both the panelists um, there are people who say that uh, uh, we identify and we recognize the contribution of the blacks in the us and in and of the dalits in the in india uh, towards the development what uh, development of their respective countries uh, yet when uh, peaceful protests like these which is happening today in the united states um, that the people then say that um, it is uh, a politics of hate that they are uh, uh, actually supporting and uh, it is a politics of uh, viciousness that they are supporting uh, especially when uh, a recent uh, uh, recently in a case where the senator uh, in the us has uh, rejected to put forth the anti lynching bill uh, in the in the congress so uh, your thoughts on these uh, the politics of hate when people support uh, these movements and they contribute and they participate in such movements and uh, they are called anti developmentalists or um, or such uh, they are they are given such names so your your views dr friedman can we start from you yes so i believe that is racist uh, just just clearly racist and a part of that is because i believe and um many famous black writers have talked about this but in particular somebody uh, by the name of James Baldwin uh, writer and scholar he talked about the whole notion that white people are, are so afraid that black people will rise up and do to them what they did to us that in their minds anytime they see black people coming together and standing up for themselves, they get nervous. So let me give you an example. If you see five in the United States, generally, if you see five men, black men together in one place, a lot of times white people get, get nervous. They're saying, what are they congregating for? What are they doing? This is just on a very, this is in a, maybe in a regular building, on a street, whatever the case may be. Uh, so, so, uh, and in relationship, even to, uh, you were talking about Paul, uh, Senator Paul Ryan is uh, the senator that that blocked the anti lynching, the anti lynching bill. One of the things that's really important is to understand is that he is what we call a libertarian. A libertarian is someone that is not necessarily uh, considered far right. Uh, as uh, as some of the racist, uh, what we would consider, you know, far extreme racist, but he's not. But he's not. Um, he's not considered progressive or liberal, and so it. So you have it. It really shows you that even if you even dealing with white people who are perceived to be middle of the road. Uh, there's still an underlining racism and caste system as you as in uh, in India that is there. It's less explicit, but it's still there. I only understood 
that black people are fully understood that black people were a colonized people in the United States until I went to Israel last year. And um, when I went to Israel, I got an opportunity to go to uh, go to Palestine, right? And interact with the people. And I said, oh, it clicked to me. I said, oh, this is what's happening in America. We just don't have police officers with rifles that are walking around. But the same type of force is there when we are over-policed within our communities. So, so I believe that it's, 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 it's really, really this, there is this fear from white people that black people will rise up and do to them what they did to, uh, they did to us that kind of undergirds this kind of fear. Sure, thanks. Thank you, Dr. Friedman. Uh, Dr. Marqu uh, Mr. Marquand? Well, uh, <clears throat> I mean, definitely they will call us with all the names and they will they'd call us internationals. And, but it's up to you whether you want to listen to them and take them seriously. And uh, I always uh, tell people that they are right in a way because uh, India is one country, but two nations. The nation of the poor is completely different. So definitely we are anti-national. We are from two different nations. But this is what we have to see that uh, how the question of identity has been used to disallow or the suppress discussion on the human rights. Right, and uh, I mean in in India we have a we have a big challenge right now. There are there are about twelve human rights activists who are in the prison. So the people who fight for the very cause of the human rights are pushed in behind the bars without any direct evidence against them, right? Including Dr. Keltumbade and many others. So yes, it, it's a it's a big fight. Uh, it's a big fight, uh, but we have to also remember that there is very close cooperation between the heads of the different nations. You know, so Mr. Between Mr. Trump and the Prime Minister of India, uh, Trump was invited to India for a very big program, and about a hundred thousand people were gathered. Yes, to uh, say hello and namaste to Mr. Trump. And people were ferried to the uh, place of the assembly and everything. But during the lockdown, thousands of people who had to walk on the foot to reach their states, these buses were not there, right? As per the reports, more than 800 people have died in India, walking on the roads without water and without food, which includes children and pregnant women and their pregnant women who have delivered babies on the road. Yes, this is what we witness. So this is a very systemic uh, thing. And uh, unfortunately, you know, something that happens, I think I'm sure is happening in the US and also in India. That the intellectuals are there within both these communities, but uh, we are slightly disconnected from the people who suffer at the villages at the grassroots at the local level. There's a gap between the academic world and, and, and the people who suffer at the bottom. Right. So therefore, many of the, those things which are happening on the ground are not being articulated well in the research uh, institutions and everything. I mean, these are some of the challenges. Well, that's what I would I would say. Yeah. Uh, if I could if I could follow up with what with, with Mr. Marquand um, stated. 
there is this big difference between the poor, the poor and um, those that, that are more affluent. So you can see that in Atlanta. So I'm visiting my, my in-laws here in the Atlanta area and you'll see the response. Uh, there was a very different response to arresting police in Atlanta versus Minnesota. So for instance, in, Minas in, in Atlanta this, this past week, they, there were police officers that surrounded a car that had two uh, students, two students, one male, one female, and the police slashed their tires. They, they uh, ripped open the door and they pulled the woman out and they tased the uh, young man in the car. It just so happened that those students went to elite, elite uh, black institutions. Well, the mayor of Atlanta is black. Uh, many on city council are black and many are affluent. And so those, those officers were arrested, were, were first fired quickly and then arrested. But that happened because you have an elite class of, of Blacks that have influence in that area. And so there is this big gap. So that intersection between race and, and class is really, really, really important. And, and the response is going to be different depending on your educational status and the money that you make. Uh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Sim is, is, is having some uh, some problems uh, connecting. Yes. Uh, yes. There has, so, uh, just to add, there yes, has uh, a oh. question came, I think, to Martin, sir, uh, that uh, uh, during the lockdown and this, the reverse uh, migration, we have a lot of questions coming over email since yesterday. And now also questions are pouring in. Uh, uh, the same questions which we get uh, also to qualify this fight and uh, more so just to continue as, as Martin has said that uh, uh, this lockdown and this uh, coronavirus pandemic crisis uh, have led also, you know, the class question at, at the two, two nation, two India sir is talking about. So this question is from uh, Anupam Yadav and he's asking that since the initial days of COVID-19 lockdown in India, We've, we've witnessed a massive migration crisis of poor and laborers. Do you think it reflects only class crisis? Only, or there exist also underlying caste fault lines, crisis below the surface. I think if uh, if we quickly, you know, just go over that, that uh, how India, uh, you know, the socioeconomic facets of India, uh, is, is class just a, a matter of fact, or is, you know, the underlying a cast and other factors also coming. Martin, sir, if yes. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. So uh, definitely if you see this time during the lockdown, it is not only Dalits who are impacted, but the Dalits, they are tribals, they are minorities, and they are poor people from whom we call the other backward sections of Indian society. 
so definitely you can see there's a there's a cast and class which are both uh, you know together which are playing uh, playing out mm -hmm. and uh, what is most uh, disturbing thing is for example most of these migrant laborers uh, they have not been paid their wages and when the government proposed that the people who don't pay them wages must be prosecuted it is the federal court the supreme court of india which has said that they cannot be prosecuted the people the employers can't be prosecuted right because of lockdown they may not have they may have economic difficulty and may not be able to pay right the supreme court also denied initially in one of the petitions to take any to give any direction uh, to to uh, to take care of the difficulties that the migrants were facing right now this is for the first time we are witnessing in india how the judiciary is becoming totally unsympathetic yes now that uh, supreme court has taken little positive uh, line but it is too late it is after these tables i mean are locked and the horses are out yes but now back in their home what will people do there are millions of people who have gone to those states where there are no factories no employment they are surviving on the rations right uh, and and i don't know what they are going to do and this is not a small number according to our statistics that's uh, that's about uh, half a billion people yes who who form this uh, migrant labor class in india right now till today the government has not come out a very clear package as to how we are going to you know feed so many people right uh, okay apart from the other uh, other issues which are there uh, but this is the first thing but then you know i would say that in a way you know uh, corona has been instrumental in breaking the image that we had created about india of being a very very leading economic power in the world it has shown what a real india is right this is what it is yes. thank you very much sir if i can come to uh, sydney sir uh, because martin sir uh, all through you know even in my student life we have been you know getting this question uh, uh, so this question is to uh, dr sydney that many a times it is portrayed that blacks fashion their identity and their inferiority every time so so is it that it is you know uh, uh, it is uh, the blacks are showing like dalits in india uh, that they are inferior all the time and making it like a fashion and that is not the uh, reality if you can touch upon so could you could you say that one more time i'm making sure you you, you when i answer tell me if i'm 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 actually addressing the question that you're asking. So yes. Should I should I uh, reframe the question? Yes, reframe the question. I want to make sure I'm I'm understanding it correctly. Okay. Uh, so the question is sir we truly recognize that the accomplishment of blacks uh, but but professor Sydney I want to know whether there is any unnecessary as unnecessary assertion of identities by blacks if you find so. So here's what I think I'm hearing you say. You can tell me if I'm if I'm not uh, not saying it correctly. So is it because do blacks say because they are blacks they are not able to 
necessarily advance advance the way that they could and they blame it on because they're blacks in the the american society is that what you're is that what you're you're asking no uh, uh, the question the way you know i just read what has been written but if i can reframe uh, the yeah. question is the question is that uh, whether the blacks in us or dalits in india uh, are uh, making all the noises uh, and all the fight unnecessarily and in reality oh, okay. they are in good position yeah the, the normal okay no 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 this is no it's it, it's not unnecessary it's very much necessary uh, there's disparities and and if you look across all major indexes of what we would deem as success um african americans or blacks are generally at the bottom at, here in the in the united united states and um there is little to no redress from from the government and so uh a lot of times when there's issues of mental health or there's issues of of just safety what happens is our country has has relied on uh, brute force through the through the use of police and state troopers and others to enforce laws and things like that rather than focusing in on uh, ways in which they could better support uh, black people mobility so what ends up happening a lot of times is people say well you have oprah winfrey or lebron james or michael jordan these successful people and they say any black person can be successful but we know that's a very small group of exceptionally talented people and everything would have to line up uh, one of the things that um, that many leaders have said in the black community is when can the average black person be average just like the average white person and get the same and get the same things so we it is needed for us to fight is not fair is not been fair uh, but what we're encouraged about is that we're seeing more white people aligning with our cause in the past it has only it has seemed to be the majority of black blood has been spilled in the streets but now we're seeing and i think covid-19 has helped with that because many more white people are out of work, right? In the past, if, if it were just impacting black people, it would be different. But people are saying, oh, poor whites are in the same position as poor blacks, right? Um, and on one thing I want to, I wanted to speak to what uh, Mr. McWain uh, talked a little bit about uh, as far as uh, being poor in class and, and dealing with class, uh, because my area is education, uh, one of the things I'm really, really thinking about is the whole issue of going back, back to school, physically going back to school. There are a lot of, there is, when you're talking about the legal system, Mr. McWayne, the legal system uh, you're having you're having college and university presidents going to the government and going to the legal system 
asking if they would not be sued, that they, they're asking for things to be set up so that they would not be sued if students get coronavirus when they come back to campus, right? So, so essentially, essentially students are putting themselves, uh, will be putting themselves at risk being in large groups on a campus and all of, that the student would incur all the risk and not the inst institution. And so the same thing with student loans. Uh, many of us are burdened down with student loans, this, uh, students in higher education. And so what, it, what these things, these kinds of things have done is kind of leveled the playing field in the sense that it's not just black people are hurting, but you're having other groups of people are hurting. And so there is kind of a, a sense that we, are, we need to work with one another, uh, coalesce with one another to make change. Great, thank you. Thank, thank you, Dr. Sidney. Uh, uh, Martin said, if we can quickly come and you know, cover these topics for India, we are progressing towards you know, new India. Uh, we have grand plans for you know, doubling farmers' income and whatnot. Uh, uh, how would you like to tell this new India, especially the young India, that this fight is important and India can truly progress if we have equality in place, uh, also liberty in place, please sir. Especially to the younger crowd, yes. Your mic, sir, your mic is, sir, your mic. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, number one is definitely, you know, uh, because they're young scholars who are listening to the whole thing, they're young students. I think there's, you know, one critical role that people can play is uh, check and uh, double check the figures which are presented by the government on the claims of the development. Yes. So you will see that when there's a national budget happening presented, the kind of figures and allocations they will make, there's so many millions of rupees will be you know, spent on education, on the hostels and so and so. We'll find that at the end of the year, most of the money is not spent actually, right? And uh, there's very little accountability which is happening on these issues. So I think uh, definitely we have to check on these uh, uh, claims of the government. Mm -hmm. Uh, number two is uh, that we are, we have faced another problem right now, I think uh, not only in India, but other places also, that uh, there is a problem about the neutrality of the press. You know, the, the, the media houses are also politicized uh, in number of occasions. And therefore, you know, again, you find minority of the journalists who actually will come out with reports which are true reports and they'll be persecuted. There'll be also, there'll be cases filed against them, right? So that's an additional challenge that we have. Now, but I, I have a lot of hope uh, that uh, the, actually the social media is playing a very important role in reaching the realities to the masses, right? And the young people, this is what they can do responsibly, engage into this, you know? Uh, I mean, uh, we were in our, you know, college days in our youth. I mean, every week we used to stay in the community for three days and three nights, you know, and that's how, you know, we understood the whole community. Unfortunately, that is not happening. Uh, but, you know, there's another thing which I think I want to highlight is uh, the growing uh, level of urbanization, yes. 
so three decades uh, earlier you know we in india you had the urbanization which was about uh, 20 25% now it is nearly touching 46% right and therefore people who don't find employment they are forced to migrate and one of the reason why people are migrating is uh, that the employers don't want to pay uh, minimum wages as per the law right so they actually don't they don't employ the local people because they know that if they employ the local people they are they are in a position to be organized and therefore there is a policy not to employ them and therefore ultimately everybody in india is end up migrating right and if you see one of the thing which is happening among the coronavirus lockdown that many governments have come and said that they want to further reduce the scope of the labor laws i mean this was the very skinny protection that was available to the labor class is also being taken away hmm? so these are some of the challenges which are uh, which are uh, there yeah sir so just to add uh, uh, as a researcher and as an economist and also on behalf of all the young researchers i will just wanted to ask that since there has been you know uh, such impediments uh, pertaining to data then how you know to come out with evidence and facts especially pertaining to inequality exclusion discrimination uh, not not from you know from black or dalit per se but also from women and from different you know uh, across different sections of society because when the aggregate data is is not reliable and there is so much of debate so do you think that is also you know uh, uh, not uh, enabling the agenda and uh, not you know uh, enabling us to present those data with facts so that this fight can be you know also uh, strengthened and impact yes well i would say one thing is there that uh, if we look uh, you know maybe 70 80 years back i wonder how people like dr ambedkar or jyotiba phule would be dealing with the whole subject in absence of any institutions and uh, train uh, human resources right and yet they came out with solid data solid argument right uh, because uh, they are committed people i think this is what we expect from the younger generation to be more committed to the social issues yeah and uh, because i i let's not get into you know larger data based uh, studies but definitely local data can be collected local case studies can be compiled and that becomes a very very critical uh, evidence right to build a larger picture it there are small pieces coming together actually is is a question of how do you strategize right thank you thank you for mentioning in fact the whole national income accounting was started by you know dadabhai naro ji in you know last yeah. to last decade just on this basis that you know uh, our india and our uh, all our resources we call it sone ke chidiya lekar chale gaye and uh, but just coming back to the the issues at hand uh, what has been also highlight, being highlighted in us and uh, that has been you know also also the issue in india uh, and this is related with with the with the police reforms and what the police is doing uh, uh, in us uh, we all are you know watching videos that there has been you know counter protests uh, uh, and people are saying that all lives matter uh, it's not just that black lives matter or dalit lives matter Uh, all lives matter dr sedney if you can touch upon we know you know the pros and cons of the argument but we would like to have both the panels 
view on that the, and also touching on the law and order reform issue that uh, how it can be done and now globally in fact i was watching in london in paris and you know every nook and corner of the world uh, the issues of police reforms and there has been a lot of question coming on how we can you know fight it uh, uh, these different issues i'll come on that but yes on the point that uh, why black life matters dalit lives matter and all life matters you know this conundrum if both the panelists can touch upon yes to you dr yeah. yes so uh, many many blacks uh, push back on the notion of all lives matter uh, we say that because uh, what we have found has been that many times messages that were targeted to deal with the black community can be co-opted and be used by the white community to shift the narrative to things that have nothing to do with helping black people. And so although we understand that all lives matter, uh, at this point, we're talking about black lives. However, we recognize that there are other communities that have been uh, adversely affected. And what, what my argument has been recently is that we need to target and support specific communities based on their needs. There has been this notion of diversity using terms like diversity and inclusion and those and those terms are so broad that what ends up happening is we end up centering the issues and in the united states we end up centering issues that impact white people rather than really focusing in on issues that are needs of black people so uh, another thing that uh, many people in the Black Lives Matter community are pushing for is uh, this idea of defunding the police, right? Defunding the military, because there is so much money that is given to both the police force and the military that can be used for other social services. So instead of hiring more police, what if we provided people with more homes, more opportunities to have their own home? What if we provided opportunities for mental health? What if we provided opportunities for education? So when we say defund the police, we're not saying that we should not have any police. What we're saying is that we should not be funding the police, the military, and other kind of forces that will not necessarily help us help us build up society for those who are poor and those who have less access to resources. Thank you, thank you very much, Dr. Freeman. Uh, uh, Martin said, I'll come to you. Uh, uh, Dr. Freeman uh, raised this point, unity, of diversity, we are also carrying the hashtag unity in diversity, hashtag uh, Black Lives Matter, hashtag Dalit Lives Matter. So coming to this point again, in our context, we cannot defund the police. You know, Our institutions are not that accountable. And we have seen during our lockdown days, 
especially marginalized people and uh, who are these people in our earlier webinar dr nitin tagde uh, uh, really raised this question on a study we did on city makers and uh, altogether he raised the question that who are these city makers what are you know the caste backgrounds what are the socio economic realities and uh, also on these points sir martin sir if you can touch upon there is a very disturbing data which is there in india which not many people talk about it but uh, uh, the if you take the whole example of gujarat uh, the dalit population is about 7% but the people who are uh, in jail are about 27% 27% of all the people who are locked up behind the bars they happen to be dalits right and there's the same story uh, in assam in other states also so there is an overt uh, focus on uh, putting the dalits uh, behind the bars and then convicting them right uh, if you look at the conviction rate in the special uh, in relation to special law uh, which we call the prevention of atrocities that uh, at and conviction rate is uh, below 5% mm. uh so far as the police uh, reforms are concerned i mean we saw that during the lockdown the people who have been who have been hit uh, with the sticks people who have been made to sit ups and downs on the roads and humiliated are the poor people not the rich people yeah and uh, in india also just like in any other places in the world there have been eight police eight police commission reports and these are old as old as 20 years but nothing has happened to that yes maybe something happens we appoint a commission of inquiry and then we forget about it there are about 900 commissions uh, going on in india right so you set up a commission and then after one year people forget about it nothing happens to those commissions Uh, but this is uh, a very important thing draws an important line that our popular notion is that there is a state which will look after the justice and deliver justice has to be reexamined and therefore the uh, civil society alertness and taking responsibility for justice becomes a very important point so you have to create people you have to train people who will you know be, be vigilant and who will raise these issues and create more responsible civil action hmm? uh i won't leave everything on the state right uh, because that is the state where we have come to after after so many years of experience right and uh, and i mean that's what we do i mean uh, that you know our experience is that wherever we have organized communities we have got land for them we have got wages for them it has taken us years of struggle but if we did not do it the state wouldn't do it yes i mean during independence you know we did one of the most successful uh, land reform legislations uh, the swedish nobel laureate like gunnar middal said these are the most revolutionary legislations happening on the in the world but if you look at the implementation of those land reforms how much land has been actually redistributed to the landless or tribals and dalits they marginal right uh because ultimately if you don't have a very strong uh civil society within the depressed communities or you don't have a very watchful eyes the law itself does not work right and uh, that's why you have to keep awake 
right? And uh, as uh, Buddha had said 2,500 years ago, keep your eyes open and uh, watch your steps and look forward. Yes, I think this is what we have to do. And I think this responsibility definitely falls on the younger generation with who are educated to be more responsible and uh, and to look at those issues. Right. Uh, more questions pouring in. Many questions. Uh, uh, very uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, evidence uh, being highlighted by uh, Martin sir. And the U.S. corresponding figures. I was just uh, listening to a podcast by the Economist. The black population is around ten percent, and the black population in prison is around one third. So the similar thing, you know, the U.S. data, as Martin sir highlighted, similar data is you know uh, there. It has been also been highlighted. And I would now like to come to you know just because uh, Martin sir has uh, uh, written a letter to to uh, Mr. Donald Trump, the president of U.S. If sir, you can touch upon that. Uh, what are the issues that uh, uh, on in the letter you have highlighted, and Sydney, Doctor Sydney, can also you know touch upon on these aspects? Yes. Well, I uh, <clears throat> I was very deeply disturbed with uh, watching the video of uh, George Floyd, and uh, you know I what I remember very clearly is that here you know I mean. Number one, there are not only blacks people on the streets, they're white, they're Asian, they're all colored people. You find some of the good police officers also, you know, uh, will be marching with the people along with it, right? But there is a president of United States who instead of, uh, you know, talking a very balanced language wants to say, you know, threaten people with more military power, right? And undermining the uh, civil society, right? as if arms are going to solve all the problems of the world, right? And uh, this is what hit me very hard that I belong to that city where Mr. Trump was invited for a major program. About 100,000 people were gathered by the government. Well, the government said, we, do, we are not calling people. You know, it is the civil society calling the people. But so far, nobody knows who paid for the travel expenses of 100,000 people gathering there. But why, you know, the, the point I've raised in the letter is when Mr. Trump came and he was going to visit Gandhi Ashram, Gandhi Ashram, where Gandhi ran the whole movement from, exactly opposite, maybe 50 meters uh, opposite Gandhi Ashram, there's a slum colony. And so that we don't uh, uh, show what, how India, poor, how poor India is, a wall was created, constructed overnight. So Mr. Trump cannot see the poor people on the other side, right? Now that wall hit me. Yes, uh, you know this is what we do uh, in the name of you know uh, in the name of uh, you know uh, so-called development. We use state resources to hide poverty and, and to cover up, right? And uh, so I said, here, this is the man we are inviting here, right? And look what he's doing back in his own country, right? And so the collaboration between the political leaders, you know, of the world, so-called world powers, right? Uh, is something that we have to uh, expose and we have to show them in the real light. And that's the re reason why I wrote a letter to uh, Donald Trump and drawing a parity between the Dalits and the Blacks and the responses, irresponsible responses that the state leaders have, 
right? And uh, and and we have done this letter translated into different languages, so more people can read it. We have done a poster, beautiful poster, which is also in several languages. You know, uh, so the same uh, message which was used as Namaste Trump, we have broken every word and given a new meaning to it. You must have seen the poster, so I'm not going into details of the whole thing. Uh, well, many people say that, oh, no, no, why are you doing this, you know, taking fight with the uh, this thing? But that's our religion. Yeah, that's what our mission is, right? Uh, we cannot, I mean, we are not born to be slaves. We are, we are born free people, right? And uh, no power on the earth can uh, enslave us, right? Only thing we have to speak up. I'm also disturbed because there is a sense of fear among a lot of people of, and they don't want to speak up, right? And uh, I, I see that the poor people have less fear. Sometimes it is the rich within and the more educated, they're more, more afraid, right? And which should be the other way around, right? But I think these are these are the concerns. But uh, definitely somebody had to take an initiative. So we are getting a very good response. I mean, we are getting signatories from the villages, uh, common people writing letters saying, "Put my name as signatory to the letter." I have I am in the workshop from the whole day in the morning. But I think we have crossed more than a thousand signatures by now, and signatures are pouring in, right? And uh, people are saying, "Yes, we have to speak up." Right, so uh, that's what I would say. Yes, sir. So very rightly said that this is our religion, and uh, thank you so much from uh, Impact and Policy Research Institute, and also from University of Idaho, uh, that uh, you showed us this light, and we are having this event, uh, talking openly about it as the whole world is. Uh, 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 Dr. Sydney, I'll come to what uh, Mr. Martin has written and what. Uh, 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 for you know, strengthening both the democracies, America and India, uh, the initiative. You know how how the situation are very tough. We also have many questions that you know uh, people are being put behind the bars and there is violence. Uh, I would also you know just like to add uh, uh, one question which has come that uh, uh, there has been you know violence, murder, and uh, now there are there is also case that you know these protests are also becoming violent. Uh, there has been, you know, allegation and that that point Martin sir also raised that uh, why you are, you know, getting into it and uh, rightly so he mentioned that, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 raising this question to also, you know, your head of state uh, uh, and, uh, you know, changing the Namaste Trump narrative. Uh, uh, how do you take uh, uh, the stand which uh, uh, Mr. Martin McQuan is raising from, from the land of India, uh, uh, supporting your cause, our cause? And, and the point of violence associated with this. Uh, uh, Dr. Sidney Freeman, please. Yes, so I, I'm always, um, uh, in, in this context, I'm always nervous about uh, when I hear, I hear black people, black leaders who are in the elite class say, we're marching for peace, peace, peace. They're, they're talking about peace because they have they have resources they are in a great position and so they don't want to rock the boat right and so they want to signal to white people that they are um they are the good 
black folk, right? Black people, we're not going to destroy things, we're educated, those kinds of things. But the only reason those officers got charged and are arrested was because it became violent. When it was not violent, those got, uh, people were able, those officers were not arrested, right? And so I think there's this balance, there's this balance of, of I'm not necessarily advocating for violence. I am saying though, that there are a mixture of tools that are used to move a movement forward. And so I, I like what Mr. Martin has done as far as, as holding people, holding our leaders accountable, not just, not just in our own country, but around the world. We can't, we can't just, we have to think globally um, so what's happening and it's, it's so interesting and why I brought up Palestine traveling to Israel and Palestine last year is because it opened my mind to comparison. Oh, the things that are going on in Palestine are the same things that are going on in the South and the United States are the same things that are happening in India. And so I think these conversations are so important because now I can begin to say, okay, uh, these are the things that are, help, are happening to the Delits. What are things that we can do, we can learn from the movement that is going on in India that, the, uh, that Black Americans can learn? And I'm seeing that the work that we're doing is, are, is ex inspiring the work that's going on in India. So that's what I would share. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sidney Freeman. And we invite you to India. Please come India. And uh, uh, mutual learning is, is, is something, yes, which will uh, drive us towards, you know, uh, knowledge. Uh, uh, now uh, we would like to, you know, wrap up also. Uh, uh, so last few questions, and these are very general questions. A lot of, you know, faculties across India, I would say, uh, are coming up with uh, a very good question. So uh, one of the question is, you know, academia has so much power to create consciousness among people through history and other evidences, uh, through curriculum. Uh, for, you know, uh, and importance of Black Panthers or atrocities against Dalit in India and uh, and uh, other things, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, very, very big uh, uh, chat messages we have, uh, we have got. And uh, uh, there is also the point of ignorance and, you know, uh, things, you know, business as usual that after, you know, two, three, five, ten days, there will be business as usual, uh, especially in intelligentsia. So uh, how, how, you know, how we can uh, change this or what can be the contribution from academia research and uh, activists that uh, the the fight is sustained until until you know the goal and and uh, rights and justice is reached uh, uh, related to this there is also this question that uh, what is uh, what is the the theater you know belonging to black people if if any or even strong in us doing uh, to to strengthen to strengthen this fight uh, uh, you, you can also, you know, uh, not just theater, but also uh, other other forms of expression. Uh, uh, what is going on on in in US? Because in India, uh, 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 we are pretty strong. You know, where various part uh, we really promote art, culture, uh, especially to you know fight this menace. And uh, uh, lastly, this question that uh, uh, how to move ahead. A lot of question. This question has been posed from a lot of uh, Indian scholars. Uh, to Martin, sir, that uh, since the fight is so tough, it's so scary, 
that one has to you know go to prison and no one and there is also isolation uh, uh, imposed to them and uh, and so many you know judicial uh, uh, boycott of, of of a sense in, in even in our academic institution you know exploitation so uh, the, this question also martin said that how do we move ahead from a situation like this now and and what 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 should be uh, the driving force apart from you know the teaching of uh, uh, ambedkar you know uh, uh, dr king uh, uh, what should be the essence and light uh, for us at intellectuals uh, uh, academia uh, those you know in in the in the expression entertainment and and also student and younger generation at large, at large uh, so uh, martin sir and then dr sini freeman yes thank you well uh, murders uh, do not happen every day but the discrimination happens every day it continues yes and that's why the the fight has to continue but uh, the discrimination is manifested through various uh, sources and into into many forms right so one of the thing we didn't speak much about it but uh, the kind of prejudices both in terms of race or caste or gender they are interwoven into our books for children right and therefore we have to create a pedagogy where we create uh, books for children which are free of prejudices uh we have to look at the whole question of the self employment i mean here in uh, in gujarat one of the center which i have set up here which is called the dalit shakti kendra is a vocational school you know where the young men and women come uh, and uh, they stay here on the campus for two months learn an activity economic uh, empowerment activity which gives them self employment along with the life skills and the social political awareness uh in last uh, about uh, 18 years we have trained more than 10500 students right now so and these people go back to their villages and they help the community people uh to rise they go to the uh, government primary schools and make sure that children are not being discriminated because you know we have to remember that because the discrimination is a systemic issue no individuals can fight it you have to create a very very broad based organization with thousands and thousands of volunteers cadres who will reach out to the communities and create a network of the support then only we can fight it that's what i would say thank you mr mr mcwain um i would say from the united states standpoint everyone needs to do their part from where they are so because i'm in academia my job is to write about what i see in academia so one of the things that i wanted to do uh this this incoming school year was i did i wanted to just write my papers I didn't want to make any waves. I didn't want to make anybody get upset. Um but because of what's going on, I have to speak up. I need to speak out. So I my I don't have expertise for instance, I'm not a criminologist, right? So I may not speak about the police as as an expert but what i can do is speak about higher education because i have expertise in that and how we could stop discrimination in higher education 
And so those are the same things that uh, we expect from athletes. That's the same thing we expect from our entertainers. One of the things that that happened very uh, that was very interesting to me not this not Saturday this past Saturday but the Saturday before a broadcaster by the name of Don Lemon who uh, is a broadcaster for CNN he said he said where are all of the famous people where are all the leaders speaking up all the leaders were missing in action. They weren't speaking up, they weren't saying anything. So now you have Oprah doing a special, you have other people um, uh, speaking up and speaking out. So everyone in their corner where they are, they need to speak up when they see wrong and need to hold people accountable. So uh, as it relates to economics, um, I think it's important to think about black people circulating their dollar within within our own community. So what happens now is most of the businesses that are in black communities are not owned by black people. They're owned by other communities. So is many times it's very hard for black people to build wealth. One of the reasons, there are multiple reasons why uh, there's challenges to build wealth, but one of the reasons is because we don't purchase purchase items or use the services of each other. We essentially um, use the services of other people rather than our our own. And there is a history to that because when we have done that, uh, white people have attacked us not just not just economically, but actually physically. They've burned our communities when we have thrived. And so there is this sense, there's this historical memory that that has happened. And therefore, a lot of times black people don't do as much business together as they should, but there is a reemergence, a, a new conversation about doing that. So as it relates to economics, we must support our own institutions, whether they're black schools, our black churches, our black mosque, or black businesses, we must support each other. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Sini. And uh, you just reminded me of the great speech Dr. King has uh, given that you know justice should shower from each mountain, from uh, from each river, uh, and from each each of our national natural and you know shared resources by each human, and uh, and with the words of uh, Baba Sahib, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Ambedkar, that liberty, equality, and fraternity, uh, these are non-negotiable. And, uh, and there are a lot of questions, you know, powering in. And uh, uh, with many U.S. institutions, Professor William Darity, and uh, many, many such, uh, such professors have, you know, uh, Professor Samuel Myers, they all have agreed, you know, to join our, this web policy talk series. And uh, we'll take a, a University of Idaho and and all our U.S. partners uh, uh, help and, you know, to, to organize this kind of talk so that we can uh, discuss more about it, uh, more so to the leadership of uh, uh, Mr. Martin McQuan to show us, you know, guide us uh, through this process so that uh, both our countries can, you know, discuss these issues uh, and learn and, uh, and, and fight uh, uh, until that justice uh, is reached and, and really work for liberty, equality and fraternity. And with this, I invite 
Dr. Nitin Tagade. Uh, he is from uh, from Savitribai Pune University in Pune. Uh, he is the discussant, and he will summarize our talk, and and then we will have a vote of thanks. And if you uh, want to have a final word, then we can have, and then Simi can you know end. Yes, Dr. Nitin Tagade, please. Sir, your mic, sir. Yeah. Nathan, sir. Yes, your mic, mic is on mute, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Arjun and Simi. Uh, I, I really thank you for uh, inviting me here uh, for this very important discussion uh, with Martin, sir, and uh, Dr. Sidney. There are, uh, there are a lot of issues have come up. Uh, during this discussion, and uh, I would be uh, summarizing some of the issues which uh, which I uh, think uh, very important in the case in the context of Indian Dalits, uh, particularly. So uh, one of the one of the important first issue that come up is the disparity between different communities in US as well as in India. And we find that uh, there are a lot of differences between the communities. Some, some of the communities are lagging behind because of the prejudices. For example, if I take uh, the differences uh, from US, I would uh, uh, about uh, uh, unemployment rate during this lockdown or uh, during this COVID-19 situation in US, uh, Blacks have been under uh, unemployed uh, for 16.8%, whereas this is quite less in the case of whites, that is 12.4%. Similarly, if you see the median net worth of the blacks in US in 2016 was $17,000 as compared to the 1,71,000 in the case of whites. This is a huge disparity. Similar, similar situation you will find in India. If you see the scheduled caste who are, uh, who are uh, the lowest uh, 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 category in the caste system where each one other, uh, the other categories having the highest status as compared to the scheduled caste. Uh, while comparing the scheduled caste and upper caste in India, you will, you will find that about 29% of the scheduled caste are poor as compared to only 12% 12, 12 of the high caste. If you see the wealth ownership or asset ownership as compared to their population, scheduled caste are having only 8% of the total wealth in India, while they comprise 20% as Martin Bhai has already mentioned that. But in the case of the upper caste, they are holding about 48%. This is a huge disparity. Not only the ownership, but if you go by the jobs or employment situation, you will find that most of the scheduled caste 
and scheduled tribes are engaged in the low paid jobs and same might be the case in the uh, uh, in us also in the case of the blacks so what happens basically they have the le less ownership less income and less education it is because of the prejudice against prejudices against the scheduled caste or uh, uh, scheduled caste communities by the upper caste here in india there is no only not only one group is upper caste there are different castes are there and each caste is low at the same time it is upper higher caste for example scheduled caste is the lowest caste lowest category of the caste above that there is a other backward caste and they are lower than the upper caste within this upper caste there are different groups are there like vices are there business communities is, is there then fighter communities is there and then um, uh, brahmin community that is uh, those who take the education and give the education that community is there so each one is lower than other one as well as at the same time they are higher than the other one so you will find that there is a no collaboration between or no solidarity solid, solidarity between castes in india or groups in india categories in india but you are in us at least in us there are people from the white groups also they have supported the uh, uh, this uh, particular uh, fight against the discrimination against the blacks so this is lacking in india now now coming back to the uh, uh, in india also there are cases where the public have asserted very uh, Uh, profoundly, for example, in the case of the Rohit Memula, Memula, uh, he was a student of uh, Hyderabad Central University, and because of the discrimination, he has to uh, do the suicide. And uh, 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 there was a lot of uh, assertion from the Dalit uh, uh, communities, particularly the particularly the uh, Ambedkarite communities. who have fought against that uh, situation but still there is no justice uh, for that uh, so this particular um, uh, in indian case this caste system has uh, you will find that there is a discrimination because of uh, hierarchical inequality within this caste system and the division of laborers so uh, you will find that as martin bhai said that uh, uh, discrimination happens every day and it is true in uh, in indian case and you will find that discrimination happens in the economic sphere social sphere political sphere and civic sphere for example in job or employment uh, in economic sphere the scheduled caste gets do not get either job at uh, of uh, uh, his uh, capability and uh, in the case of so social sphere you will find that uh, 
there are a lot of discrimination and unteachability. Still in India, we, we see find that there is a dis, uh, discrimination as well as untouchability which exists. In political sphere, you will find that even Dr. Babasaheb Ambedkar did not uh, own his seat, even though he was a very highly educated person. Uh, in civic, civic sphere, you will find that uh, there is a lot of problem in accessing the water, uh, sanitize, uh, sanitization, and all these things. So during, uh, now this is the situation in India and because of the COVID-19, the Indian government has adopted this lockdown situation. And you will find that the situation of the scheduled caste has become more worse as they are more engaged in the low paid, low paid uh, jobs and they they are not uh, they do not have the social security benefits and uh, most of them have uh, lost their job for example india was actually was in in trouble uh, since 2016 onward and uh, the unemployment rate was increasing very high in 2017-18 the unemployment rate was 6%, which increased from 3% in 2011-12. And during the lockdown period, it has increased to 26%. And within this, if you see, within this, there are highest proportion of unemployment will be among the scheduled caste and scheduled tribe. So same, same case is in the case of uh, uh, during this situation. And uh, uh, second thing is that the police department, uh, we were talking about uh, this issue also, and uh, 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 there was a survey by CSDS in 2016, and they found that the police, police personals, uh, about 50% of the police personals think that the scheduled caste, Muslims, and scheduled tribes are more prone to crime. And you will find that about 173 cases have been filed against the police during this during the first week of the lockdown. And in that case, 20, 23 case, uh, deaths were occurred. So this is the situation in India. So now the unemployment has increased. And you might have heard that uh, the, uh, there is a return migration and return migration to the rural areas. Now, what will happen to this? If you see that the laborers are migrating back to the rural area. So the density of the population in the rural area will increase. Similarly, the labor force, the uh, labor force will also increase. Secondly, the uh, demand for the work will increase in the rural areas. Uh, as a result, the wages will go down. And there will be tussle between the different communities to get the jobs and better uh, remunerations. And probably, I guess that uh, in near future, there will be more atrocities against the scheduled caste because uh, these, these scheduled castes do not have the uh, productive assets. Second thing is that in urban areas, yeah, so your connection is yeah, your connection is pretty weak. So, 
the voice is coming and going. Okay. Okay. Thank uh, you very much. Simi, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Nitin, uh, for uh, for uh, providing a very wonderful picture of uh, the status of uh, what the scheduled castes um, in India is with respect to the various economic indicators. And uh, we are going to take this uh, discussion uh, forward. And uh, I also invite uh, Dr. Sydney uh, in the next, uh, uh, of course, we'll be, no we'll be informing you about uh, the seminar about the webinar uh, much way in advance uh, where we'll be having uh, more uh, discussions and because we have continuous continuously we are getting questions after questions and uh, and people it uh, it is very evident that people are really interested in finding the best way forward and uh, having an optimism uh, because um, yeah, there's a lot of pessimism that is going on around the world and um, if there is a solidarity, if there is a unity in this diversity, uh, I'm sure uh, it it needs to be brought out and it needs to be told to the people so that they get some some sort of a courage and motivation to move ahead. So uh, in in uh, on these lines, I would like to uh, thank uh, Dr. Nitin for wonderfully summarizing uh, his uh, his points of views and uh, Dr. Sydney, thank you for joining early in the morning. Um, this uh, start of the week and um, for at least um, and also sincere thanks for joining at the last moment you were uh, able to uh, join us I really thank you dr mr martin markwan i am uh, i know you had to leave uh, for another meeting thank you very much for your wonderful points of views and i'm sure the audience must have loved it and of course there are questions that are still coming on and we'll be taking it in the next um, next webinar on uh, on the same topic thank you very much and thank you all for joining us uh, have a wonderful week ahead and thank you thank you very much thank you uh, i'll I, i'll just take a screenshot uh, for yeah. thank you it's done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Have you all. Yes.